0: Welcome to episode 118 of Destination Linux. This is a podcast of opinions made up of four of the greatest minds ever discussing our passion for Linux. I'm Zeb, and with me today are my two Goliath podcasting friends. Michael, how have you been?
1: I have been doing great, thank you.
0: Good, good. And Ryan, how are things with you?
2: Tickety-boo, tickety-boo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that came up perfectly with the Zeb in the background there. That was Awesome! Perfect timing. <laughs> Love it. So, Michael, how has your week been?
1: Uh, it's been a little bit interesting. Um, I've been—I actually did a couple more podcasting things. Like last week, I did a, uh, like seven podcasts in seven days. Uh, this time, I've done three, no, four, and uh, I'll have a link in the show notes for the one of them. But I did a, um, a live stream with uh, Gabmus from Tech Pills.
2: That was awesome yeah
1: and that was fun. We nice. talked about like the best distros for different uh, scenarios and different use cases and that kind of thing um, and it was it was a really funny g- conversation. We also had like a little post show thing and we I don't know if he's gonna put it in the show, but he sent me a clip that's hey, where he he cut out a piece of the out post show where I was talking about like the different types of bananas and stuff. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was like well yeah, that
2: did happen didn't it, <laughs> it.
0: sounds fun. So Ryan, what trouble did you start this week?
2: Well, I got in all kinds of trouble because my free (laughs) NAS server has been all set up finally. And that is thanks to, I I got it to a certain point, everything was installed. but I started running into some trouble, Dustin from the Budgie team, who's an expert in like all things servers, was asking me a question about a project we were working on actually separate from this. And I was like, I can't concentrate on your project because I can't get my storage solution to work right. So he's like, all right, pull it up, and we work through it, and it was, of course, a simple thing that I hadn't checked, um, but it's awesome. I'm absolutely loving the Freenos server right now, and I have VMs rolling in it right now. I have Debian and an Ubuntu VM just for fun um, out there, and just keep learning a lot of new stuff with utilizing that and Linux at the same time. Also, and perhaps more importantly, We had an amazing gaming session with Chris Ware, Noah, Alan Pope, and Michael, along with other folks in the community. Uh, We were able to get games in like Golf with Friends and Team Fortress 2. And the funniest part is, to me, watching Noah play, if you go watch it on my video, Noah couldn't join us for TF2, but he played Golf with Friends. was like watching my kids play a game for the first time (laughs) Like, when he would do something and it worked, he would scream out loud, like, I did it! Look at me! Um, It it was just so infectious and fun to see him because he doesn't play games. This is kind of his first adventure into it. So it was really cool uh, to be able to play with all of those awesome people. We had a really good time, so hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely. It was great.
0: Excellent. So as you can see, we're missing Noah this week. So as is tradition please leave in the comments and let us know what your best guess is why Noah isn't here. Now there will be bonus points if you don't repeat what you said last time. So get your thinking caps on and let us know what's going on. So
2: Zeb, before we go on, because you were gone for two weeks and Mm. people were leaving in comments like good show, but where's Zeb? We miss Zeb. Zeb better be coming back. Uh, So clearly there's a lot of fandom for you. So what were you up to in your adventures?
0: Well, the the first week I was away, it was just a family issue that I had to deal with and there was nothing I could do about it. So I had to cancel on you guys last minute. But last week I was actually on a four day break with the family down the southeast coast of England, um, sleeping in one of my pet hates, a very large eight berth caravan So that was uh, all good fun. But I would be sitting there twitching in the middle of the night, wondering when the truck was going to come and knock us over from the side. Um, So that was a a good time. But then, unfortunately, as we were leaving and I was uh, going to pack up the car, walking out with the suitcase and a black sack, and I did the royal tumble out of the caravan, um, saw I was going to land on my head, so tried to do a tumble, which didn't quite work out. It was just like this big splurge on the floor <laughs> and i was laying up looking at the seagulls going what are you laughing at that hurt <laughs> oh i love it <laughs> and then whilst the family were concerned within about 30 seconds there was just four people at the, at the caravan door laughing their heads off and i was laying on the floor yeah, typical family so thanks very much for that kids um so yeah that's what i've been up to for the last the only weeks. problem
2: with the story is where was linux during this whole time I mean, did you have a Linux caravan? Did you carry a Linux laptop? Did you uh, join a Linux conference? I mean,
0: it was Linux free. <gasps> In fact, it was almost technology free. I only had my mobile phone with me, so it was fantastic.
2: Wow, it's like time traveling to the Middle Ages. That sounds,
0: <laughs> that sounds horrible. Right. Yeah, it wasn't good because the the supposed camp Wi Fi uh, was about as much use as a piece of wet string. <laughs> it wasn't-
2: Well, very good. Well, just a reminder to the community that the page for self and booking for the self Southeast Linux Fest is live right now. And you can join, thanks to you, the entire DL crew, June 14th through 16th for all kinds of Linux goodness there. And we will have Zeb here in America and it's going to be an absolute blast you do not want to miss it so go get your reservations now if you can't join us however we will be doing some live streams and podcasting from the event so you can join us that way there absolutely it's gonna be awesome and tickety-boo so the email this week is
1: coming from matt he says hey guys new to the show and loving it this has replaced the the ask noah show this week in linux and any need to watch ryan's youtube channel what huh it's ridiculous. He says, "I have some comments about episode one sixteen, and I think you should hear them. You're all a bunch of gooey noobs, especially Ryan.
0: You I want mean, tiling
1: terminals? Like... Use Tmux. It's the only one the with actual geek cred. Whatever. I uh, he says, I wear hearing aids and didn't have them in at the end of the show. Michael, I have a good doctor for the uncontrollable body body sounds. If you're interested, <laughs> there w- there was no body sounds. Noah just hears things. Anyway." <laughs> Everything at the top of this was a joke, if you're not aware. I never actually listened to This Week in Linux. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that, that's the a good Yannick one. Write this. He says, and number four, Zeb, you are a hero. Do you notice that nobody
2: trolls Zeb? Right, exactly. What is that? Else. What is that? Like, we get completely butchered here, and then he's like, <laughs> but Zeb, you're a hero. I mean, the whole point was to troll, but you leave Zeb out of it. True. <laughs> of course. Of
1: course. Uh, of course, and he says. Uh, oh, P.S. Number three is also a lie. I listen to this week in Linux every week. I'm too Canadian to pretend to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome. Uh, so thank you very much for the email, Matt. And uh, if you if if you're if you want to send an email, uh, there's a, uh, we we appreciate it every time. It's like what are kind of comments you want? If you want to troll Ryan, it's also great. No, um,
2: Michael. <laughs> it's way more fun to troll Michael. Trust me. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so now you've seen why we want to hear from you, our listeners. So send in your favorite Linux software or tips and tricks for the week. We love to hear and know what tools that make your Linux experience amazing. So send your emails to comments at destinationlinux.org.
1: So at first in the show this week, we have some huge news. There's actually quite a lot of news this week. And the biggest thing is absolutely the Ubuntu news for the 1904 release. So that it's, it's finally here. The Disco Dingo has arrived. And uh, the latest version of Ubuntu comes with a lot of I- updates. Uh, they, these, uh, these also, all, all, most of these apply to the, like the Linux kernel 5.0, Mason 19 are, is available in Ubuntu and also all the flavors. Uh, but the official Ubuntu version has GNOME 3.32. It has some new improvements to Nautilus and an uh, upgraded icon theme. And there's actually quite some cool things that are being added for this one with the experimental tra- uh, fr- fractional scaling support for Wayland and even some Xorg support for fractional scaling, which is really nice because uh, they've been working on fractional scaling in GNOME for a very long time. Uh, specifically, Ubuntu has been working on that, so that is nice to see that they've they've accomplished that. Because uh, if you have a high to display. Uh, you might want a 1440p display. But if you have a high DPI to display, uh, it's great that they are now making it possible to easily do it. Like even Windows is still not very good for high DPI. So uh, there's also a lot of other things like the, uh, the hardware enablement stack and uh, the enhancements to the kernel is great because there's improvements for people who have like newer versions of AMD, uh, newer versions of, of the other hardware like NVIDIA. If for some reason you want to use an NVIDIA. Um, <laughs> But what's really cool about this and this okay, all seriousness, there is a good uh, thing that happened in this latest release in that the third party uh, software install option in the ubiquity installer, if you choose that now it will automatically install Nvidia based on whatever, whatever your Nvidia GPU is rather than you having to install it and then go after the fact and get the Nvidia drivers with like the restricted extras and stuff like that. So this is really cool that they're doing this because it makes it a lot easier for new users to install these drivers because in the past it wasn't very hard, but not knowing that you have to do it can be an issue.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I think um, when when I thought back to my journey in Linux and at that point I was on NVIDIA because I didn't know any better and uh, I was utilizing, uh, you know, the Ubuntu's to get my graphics driver, but I remember struggling with when I first booted into Ubuntu, figuring out where the drivers were and stuff. And once I figured it out, I was like, oh, that's super simple. But when you click that add additional drivers check mark when you're installing the third party, and it not only adds your, just you know adds an NVIDIA driver, it goes through and determines the best NVIDIA driver to install for your particular card. So if you have an older model, it will install the appropriate driver if it's available. And if you have, because some of the NVIDIA drivers, uh, NVIDIA has deprecated some of the cards, basically they don't provide driver support anymore. Uh, so if it's still supported, it will do that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge improvement for brand new people coming to to Linux. And finally, with kernel 5.0, it's a major improvement in hardware compatibility, especially on the AMD side, uh, along with other manufacturers as well, who've released into the kernel stack since, what, 4.19
1: or 2.0? Uh, 4.20, I think, is the one that had like the Radeon 7 and stuff.
2: So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big improvement. And finally, individuals can take advantage uh, with that without having to, uh, you know, utilize something like UKUU. Uh, in, instead, but also all the other flavors got some nice improvements there. You've got Lubuntu with the calamari's full disk encryption updated to LXQT 0.14.1. And I have to, because Dustin helped me out with my server, mention Ubuntu Budgie. Ubuntu Budgie has the latest version of Budgie, of course. They switched to Nemo, so they could keep desktop icons. They added extra features, new system themes, and the Catfish search tool, which I've used before. I like that one a lot. Yeah. What do you think, Zeb? What are your thoughts on 1904?
0: Well, I think 1904 is going to be a good uh, ground base for moving on to, to 2004 um, next year. The I'll, I'll also give a, a shout-out to uh, Ubuntu Budgie. It's For me... Comes very, very close to being the best looking Ubuntu this time around. I love the dark theme. I love everything they've done with it. It just, it almost makes me want to use Budgie full time. It's that good. Um, I'll give one little caveat to the NVIDIA side of things. If you're a gamer, um, don't tick that box because otherwise you'll only get the 390 drivers. So they're doing really well with the kernel 5. But can we have some better, newer drivers out of the box than 390? Because, you know, they're missing 396, 410, 415, and the latest is 418. So surely they can give us 410 or 415. I don't know what the complications are, but if you are a gamer and you want the best drivers, make sure you don't tick that box Otherwise, you'll have 390 to contend with. You'll have to uninstall that, put the PPA in, and then put 4.18 in. Um, there's also another minor hiccup, and I think they're in the process of trying to fix it. If you mess with your NVIDIA settings, there's no way of clicking Save Configuration at the end. It just refuses to write wherever you decide. You can't even write it to your home directory and move it after the fact. So I'm not quite sure what's gone wrong there whether it's an NVIDIA thing or something that slipped through the net, but hopefully they'll get that fixed pretty soon. But other other than that, I think it's, a, it's a, solid, a solid release. Oh, and the one advocate as well that we forgot to mention, if you're into OBS, there is no NVENC anymore. So if you want to use OBS and in NVIDIA, you're going to have to go with the Snap.
1: Wow. That's a lot of changes there. I mean, you might have, you might be able to like compile NVENC yourself, right, with FFMPEG?
0: If you're clever enough, but every script that I'd seen that people had put out there already, for me, didn't work. Maybe I missed a step or maybe something was not working. So wh- whereas on 16.04, just used to follow the script and it worked great, 18.04, we didn't need to. Um, Popey explained to me it was actually Debian who took NVENC out of FFMPEG, so coming upstream, or downstream, mm. I never know the terminology. Yeah. Uh, Coming downstream it, to Ubuntu,
1: well.
0: yeah, yeah. Um, but also another big shout out to Alan because if you're having problems with the latest OBS, he has created a special OBS that sticks with version twenty-one point one, and that's the hyphen hyphen candidate version, and mm. that now causes me no glitches on uh, my streaming or English Bob streaming. So if you're using Euro Trucks go for the candidate version of snap it works brilliantly and he just happened to notice that in a stream and did it what a fantastic community we live in that is, uh,
1: that's very true I, I I think that's like one of the best things about it the community is that we're, we're so helpful to each other that it makes it like the experience just that much better and I think that zeb has given some great uh, points about this latest release and really good reasons to use AMD there you go every <laughs> one of them <laughs>
2: Uh, I do want to mention too, in this, as you come across issues and bugs, you know, open a bug report on it because Alan, I remember there were a couple of individuals when he was, maybe it was on Big Daddy's show or some others where they were mentioning glitches they were coming up with. And he asked, well, did you open a bug report? Cause we're about to release next week and they hadn't got around to it. So that obviously hinders them from getting this stuff worked out on all the various hardware out there. If individuals don't so don't assume is where I'm getting at right. that is a bug report open on it or that they are aware of it. Go mm-hmm. out there. If you're having an issue, open the bug report and just uh, let them know what uh, type of issue you're having, what you're doing to experience it, what your experience was before, and they should be able to help out there. Yeah. Um, but also want to mention Ubuntu Mate, Kubuntu getting some updates, Zubuntu, Ubuntu Studio as well. Michael, I'm sure you are zoned in on the Kubuntu piece of this, so anything spectacular there for you? Uh, naturally, and yes, uh, I, I think it's really great that they're updating
1: all the different packages for uh, Kubuntu's, like the KDE applications are being updated, but uh, the one of the really cool things is that they have the newer version of the Plasma 5, which is 5.15, which is the current version that you can you can get it access to it right now. Uh, another cool thing is that in the future, in June-ish, uh, 5.16 is coming out, and that will be available in this release also with a backport update, so with the PPA backports. So that's worth noting because a lot of people think that Kubuntu doesn't get updates to the Plasma, and that's just the LTS doesn't get the updates, but if you keep up with the Kubuntu releases, you get uh, the Plasma updates as well. So um, that's that's another thing I want to talk about, but I, I think that the, the improvements to Zubuntu are interesting because Zubuntu is known as not really doing... A lot in their different releases because XFC is known for being like the stable DE that doesn't change that much, so Zubuntu doesn't need to change that much, and uh, that's true in this case as well. But they did do a lot of s- some cool things that I thought was interesting because they added a new feature in Thunar, which it allows you to hit a shortcut, which is F uh, four, I believe, uh, because it's it's similar to other DEs. I mean, other File managers that will allow you to automatically open a terminal in the location that you are in for Thunar. So if you're already in, if you go to a, a right. if you go to a script in a folder that has a script and you want to launch that script, you can just hit F four open a terminal. And it's already there, so you can just complete the name of the file and that kind of thing. It's really cool that they did that, and they also made it easier to use the Catfish uh, s- search thing as well. So that, like the 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 work that you can get for uh, you know the work that's being done on Ubuntu Budgie and Cat, and Subuntu are kind of like similar benefiting each other uh, with the the Catfish approach so I think it's kind of cool that they're pr- both promoting Catfish because Catfish is a really cool uh, application that makes it a lot easier to do searching uh, depending on what you already have uh, but I think the 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 kind of the jewel of this release uh, 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 well I'm actually there's a lot of cool stuff that's in every one of them but I'm super excited about the Ubuntu Studio release. Because of the like, they have some cool stuff. They have like new theming. They have new uh, extra apps and some new uh, tools that you can do. You can add during the installer if you want to have some extra benefits instead of just the defaults. Uh, but the, the, the by far the thing that's I'm most interested is the Ubuntu Studio package PPA that allows you to install the Ubuntu Studio packaging to other Ubuntu flavors. So you can have if you want to use Kubuntu and still have Ubuntu Studio. Uh, features you can install those on top of Kubuntu now and that is awesome. Yep Yeah
0: I think Eric mentioned that on the show when he was last here that they were trying to get that out yes. ready for nineteen oh four.
1: Yes yeah. and now it's officially uh released that it is going to be ready or is ready and people can use it right now. So I am looking forward to trying that out because I'm just curious how well it works with the different flavors. So we will see and uh I'm totally excited about that. So yeah, Ubuntu nineteen oh four.
0: Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And what's also good about this is that let's not forget, off the back of Giants, we will now get a plethora of updates from all of those other Ubuntu-based distributions that Mm -hmm. want to bring these new features into their operating systems. Well, provided um, they're not
1: LTS-based.
0: Unless they're LTS-based. Now, of course, but then you can still cherry-pick, if you wish, some of the other bits and pieces, I'm sure, uh, and bring it through. So good times for Linux ahead. Absolutely. So also
2: up in the news is Fedora 30 beta is out. So if you're wanting to try the latest version of Fedora and you understand what beta means, that it will have bugs and you're supposed to report those and don't put it on a system that you need stability with, uh, definitely go check out Fedora 30. Fedora for me is the distro of choice if I want to see GNOME. I, I love Fedora's implementation of GNOME. It's just my absolute favorite, and it's the one time where I will stay in a GNOME desktop and be completely happy. So um, definitely worth checking out. They have some new things in here. They're going to be on the 5.0 kernel as well. So that will be great for all the hardware enablement that that will provide. They are also have two new options for desktop environments. So if you want to try the Deepin desktop environment or the Pantheon desktop, that is going to join right next to the other offerings they've had for GNOME, KDE, Plasma, XFCE, as well as the other options in the custom uh, Fedora experience that are out there. You have the DNF repository improvements as well for uh, Fedora 30. You have GNOME 3.32. It includes updates to their popular packages as well. So if you are into bug testing and exploring uh, some new things and reporting it, or you just love Fedora, Go check out their beta that's available. What are your thoughts, Zebra Michael, on Fedora 30? I'm excited to try out the
1: the Pantheon and Deepen stuff just because I want to see how they implemented it. Because like, yeah. uh, I think uh, Deepin's a really cool DE, but I think it has some like some clunkiness. So I'm kind of curious what they did to make some adjustments to that to see if they polished it up a little bit or, or not. Uh, and I think Pantheon is you know everybody who's ever heard of like. Uh, Pantheon or elementary has, tri- has you know checked that out at least a little bit uh, so I'm interested to in see what they do with that because I think Pan- Pantheon is a really cool DE but it's a little bit too limited in the sense of like how it's presented by elementary so I want to see what Fedora does with this so this is going to be really cool and uh, I'm looking forward to trying out that those two different things for Fedora because uh, Fedora does a lot of interesting things in general but adding, adding new DE's is something they haven't done in a while so I am yeah. excited to try that out
0: yeah mm-hmm. and isn't this the the fedora now fedora 30 where they've done all the retooling in the background and on how they put it all together and 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 bring it all in and mesh it or is that is that not cool yeah
1: sort of they decided to keep doing the the same they, they decided not to put fedora 30 on the back burner for a while oh, and right. just to continue to do like kind of do them at the same time parallel to do the re- retooling and everything and also work on fedora 30 so i don't know how much i know they did use some retooling i'm not sure how much mm-hmm. is is involved in this one i think fedora 31 might be the one that has the most of the new usage uh but there is some of it that's in there Uh, i think it's gonna be cool because they're also i'm pretty sure 31 is the one that's going to get rid of yum
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so um that's gonna be interesting when that happens because i mean yum needs to go away because dnf is much better Uh, you know but you know legacy scripts and stuff I'm not sure how that would work out but uh, overall I do think that Fedora is going to be some this this is going to be an interesting release for sure
2: I was playing with Fedora Silverblue and yum gone and um, the only option there is of course Flatpak RPM and uh, so they've they've taken DNF is out as well in Fedora Silverblue so you don't have that option you may be able to manually add it but it's not there by default Um, But it was interesting to see DNF repository improvements that they have here. Specifically, what they're doing is um, DNF repository metadata for Fedora 30 beta is compressed with ZChunk format in addition to XZ or GZip. ZChunk is a new compression format designed to allow for highly efficient deltas. So what this is doing, as I understand it, is instead of when you're downloading a package, bringing in the entire package if there's an update you're just bringing in the changes that are there for that package and it's making that which has got to make it highly more efficient yes
1: they haven't said it like any kind of like testing as far as benchmarking how much is improved but what they're doing is called transactional updates where you are just getting the new differences and keeping the existing things and it also makes the they're doing it also on the metadata side. So the metadata side uh, makes it faster to update the repositories and the mirrors and everything and get your checking so it doesn't take as long to update your system or even to check to see if there's anything to update. So it makes everything much more sm- uh, much more efficient and smoother.
2: Very
0: cool nice. changes
2: in Fedora. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Looks looks promising. Okay, so along with this uh, new Fedora 30 beta, um, we've got Flatpak 1.3.2 released. Um, Now, I know there's a lot of controversy still around with all of these universal um, package managements, but with every release that comes out, there are just substantial improvements. So, this release contains a substantial change to how Flatpak does system wide installations as a user. Previously, Flatpak will pull files into temporary user-owned directory, and the Flatpak system helper will import the files. The new setup uses a new custom Fuse file system, which the user writes to. And then when this is done, they can invoke access to this from the user, meaning that the file can be directly imported into the system repository without making without needing to make a copy. So it looks like that they've incorporating some of the the tooling that they're going to be doing with um, Fedora, and they're using the same ideas to make flat packs um, much more efficient. So this is obviously going to reduce your IO usage. um, And whilst it is good for the end user, it will make packaging flat packs a little more difficult as the flat pack is now required to have a user. But, hey, the guys making flat packs are clever anyway. It's not like they're us <laughs> poor end users. Um, the only thing that I really wish they would do with flat packs is make the installation process for the end user yeah. a little bit easier because you still have to do this weird flat pack install and then go off and give a, a, a URL name. Instead of just going flat pack install OBS Studio, or whatever name you want, you have to actually tell it the repository or or how it works, the, what you're going to do. So if they could improve that, I think it would be great.
1: Yeah, the problem is that they are, their structure is to not have a centralized repository. They have the multiple different remote system, which right. people are have like... Uh, been against snaps because of the central repository approach but at the same time that's why snaps are sim- more simple because they have that default central repository and flat packs realized that not having one was a bad idea so that's why they created flat hub but because that's their in- the intent was to not have one they still have that weird url system mm-hmm. and i totally agree if you don't know the url it's impossible to guess to guess what it is so you right. have to go to the flat hub and find it out anyway and they'll give you like a little uh, script to copy and paste, and if you don't have Flatpak support in your uh, GNOME software, you have to do it through the terminal, uh, and you have to copy and paste because there's no way you're going to guess what it is. Uh, but overall, yeah. I do think that the this is an improvement for uh, the efficiency of it, and also you don't have to spend so much. It doesn't have to take as long to uh, to run the installer, and it and it also makes the installer uh, more efficient and not have to use your system as much, which is great. Uh, but at the same time, there there are some issues with what they the way they did it because of the the fact that they need um, it, it conflicts with SE Linux a little, and it requires you to have a special SE Linux module uh, for their their version to make the flat pack work. So it's the the it's like the not the system helper. Um, I don't remember what it's called. It, maybe it is the flat pack system helper. That's the one that gives you the access to the the new SE Linux compatibility. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to have that installed and you have to have the user set up. So I'm not really sure. How much this is going to affect existing installs, but you will have to when you when you upgrade the new flatpak, it's going to have to add a new user, a flatpak user to the system. So there could be some conflicts depending on what distro you use or however they set it up. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, I mean, it's it's a good improvement because it is something that flatpaks needed because there has always been a little bit of a heaviness to the flatpak installation process, and it's really nice to see that they're working on fixing that.
2: Well, that was my worry when I was reading this is the reliability issues that this could cause with people not updating their code correctly when they're package maintaining. Because while you're correct, Zeb, that a lot of the uh, work that these developers do are from experienced individuals, there are a lot of people too who just go out there, they kind of learn how to package it and they do it and maintain it as a community project. So I would imagine that could create situations where they don't know how to properly implement some of these mm-hmm. changes and the packages could break, um, which is kind of a fear I have because to me, I love snaps and flat packs. If I can't find it on snap, I'll check flat pack next and see if it's available there. Uh, I like that we have the options, but I agree with everything both of you said regarding making uh, Flatpak's easier to utilize. I think it's way too difficult. And I know somebody's just going to comment and be like, what do you mean it's difficult? You put the term in and you put the URL. It's just, it's too cumbersome after you've used something like a snap or even apt for that matter. Yeah, or, or literally cool. anything else, even yeah. DNF or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's all easier than using flat. Yeah. So I, I think that there needs to be some work done there. And I understand that's how they implemented in the flat hub is a website you go to to search for a package and then it gives you that URL. And I thought when I've used it last time, there was a way you could download from it. Yeah, you can download <laughs> the ref file, but all that does is
1: just, it's just an installer. Then that it pulls from wherever the remote is anyway. So yeah. it's, you still, it all the, the command that you get from the site is just an access to a third party or a, well, a, a hosted ref file. So you could yeah. download that ref file and do the exact same thing with that file. Uh, but at the same time, you need someone. You you need a program to support that file or run it through your terminal. Either way, so it's, I might as well just copy and paste the thing. Uh, but it is kind of a weird situation where um, they wanted to do it where there was no central repository. And I think a universal format is a requirement to have a central repository because otherwise, where are you going to find the stuff? So it's great that Flatpub, FlatHub Flat is now existing. Uh, I just think that um, there should be more. They sh- they should embrace. The flat hub more so, and at least make it a default so you don't have to do all that stuff.
0: Yeah, because mm-hmm. as you said, trying to trying to guess the URL is impossible. Because I think I think the Zoom one is like Zoom underscore Zoom US. Yeah. Like why have they got Zoom in twice? Because you
1: have because you have to say it's the package name and then the URL for the domain that it is. And if sometimes when you'll see it's like the name of the thing, then flat or you'll see like and and because they can do their own remotes, they have their own custom locations a lot of the time. So yeah. even if you do go to the flat hub the link might not even be the flat hub. So, uh, you know, there's that. I think it's so just if, if they can make a thing our, where it automatically one detects One of our it patrons is. is
2: saying, you know, flat pack search Caden live and that's going to pull it up and then give you the application location, which makes no sense to somebody who's not you've used this before, but you would use then the application location to then do flat pack, install flat hub, then the application level. And I get that that isn't really that complicated, but it's far more complicated than any of the other options out there. I don't have to pull from some special application field to get the URL of a site. When I'm using something like Snap, I would just say "snap install Caden Live" as an example.
1: Yeah, yeah. and the easier thing would to be um, when you install from Snap, you can actually just go to the thing and it will give you it will it will give you an option to copy the, the terminal app or terminal command. And also, you, every you change the branch, it will give you a new terminal command. It's, they tell you exactly what you want. So it, it makes mm-hmm. it the easiest possible way to do it, even if you don't have a software center that supports it. So it makes it a lot easier to do. And I actually prefer to do the terminal way anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the, they, they make it a lot easier, whereas the FlatHub, they, they still need some work. So when you click the install button on FlatHub, it just forces you to download the ref file. And whereas Snap, when you click the install button, it goes, "Do you want to download the thing? Do you want to open the software st- uh, store, or do you want to use this copy and paste the command?" It's like th- there's there's just some better polish that Snap has done that Flatpak could learn from, and that's all we're saying. Like Flatpak is great, and I'm really I glad it exists. Flatpak. Exactly, and I, I'm I love that it exists, and I'm and i I absolutely love that all three of the universal formats do not conflict with each other, so you can use whatever you want. That mm-hmm. is awesome. It's just flat packs so that you could use some, a little bit of polish, is that we're saying.
2: I like what Jacob said in our chat, a shell script could easily be written to search and pipe the name URL into the installer. In fact, that's the whole time what I was thinking is, you know, they could fix it with a simple uh, menu script, much like I utilized, although you probably wouldn't want to use my junk code, but much like <laughs> I utilized for my install script where it could just pull up a menu of all the options, you check it, and it goes and pulls from. The multiple repositories when you type in a you know command like you know install caden live it will go out there and, and do the work on the back end to pull it all in so there are ways they could even simplify it further and i'm sure they're having these exact same conversations over there right now in that team because you can see all the improvements they've made in just this version here so it will probably happen in the future. yeah absolutely that's a great point too
1: So we got some great news from, uh, you know, companies when they introduce open source to their business model or they embrace the open source model, uh, it's always great to see that. But there's another uh, uh, news this week that there's a great tool that's been around for quite a long time and has a a lot of popularity and a lot of market share, and that is Chef. And Chef is a a configuration tool and uh, management tool for uh, your deploying of of big servers and uh, virtualization servers and managing everything. It's a really really cool uh, piece of software. And definitely the best part is the fact that they're embracing open source after, well, they've been using open source here and there for a while, but now they're going 100% open source. And the announcement from the CEO, Barry Christ said, we aren't making this change lightly. Over the years, we've had experiments with and learned from a variety of different open source community and commercial models in search of the right balance. We believe that this change and the way we made it Best aligns the objectives of our communities and our own business objectives. This means that all the software that we produce will be created in the public repos. It mm. also means that we will open up our our more of our product development process to the public, including roadmaps, triage, and all and all other spe- aspects of product design and planning process. This is fantastic.
2: Absolutely, I, I one of the things here is that this also integrates with all the cloud-based platforms out there. So you've got the Amazon, Google. Cloud, Oracle, OpenStack, Microsoft Azure, Rackspace, so it has that full integration. And these are tools that when somebody gets used to, like, you know, if you, there are other tools out there that do similar things to this, but once you get used to a certain tool, you want to use it no matter what platform that you're on. And you also want to support the open source values that you have, especially if you're in Linux and that's something important to you. So I love that they've made this decision to go fully open source. But there's also some other news in there that Blue Cherry that I wanted to mention, even though it's a different company, is a video surveillance software that one of our Telegram members mentioned in our Telegram group also went 100% fully open source this week as well. So that's two big, awesome platforms out there that are open source. And for those that don't know, Blue Cherry is a video surveillance that lets you add ONVIF-supported Network cameras automatically with their network scan and detection tool. Nice. So now it's just, it seems like every week we're getting more and more of these types of announcements. There are a couple where people have gone the other direction, but it seems to be more uh, so folks going this direction and a lot of administrative based tools. And I have to think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Linux owns the cloud. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. more
1: than likely. I mean, it owns at least eighty percent or more of the cloud, um, so it, more than likely it is a situation where even like Azure is mostly Linux based. Um, like so, that's this is really cool. There is a something thing that I'm pretty sure Chef talked about with their new enterprise automation stack. While there is, it's it's free to use for personal use, and it's free for non-commercial use. There is a a restriction for commercial usage, which totally makes sense if you're going to make money off of it, you might as well. I mean, I would make. I would. It makes sense that they would have a license where you have to pay for it in order to make money. Uh, but some people would look at that as not being uh, truly open because the binaries are not provided to the community unless you have uh, the private usage or the non-commercial usage. But I would disagree, mainly because uh, as long as the source code is open, it is open source. So. There's no requirement to provide binaries um, for anything, and still you could still be open source. Like for example, for a long time, Red Hat was just was using that mo- that model of that the source is completely open, but we're not going to de- uh, buy, like compile everything for you and give you a system. And that's why CentOS was created, is because mm-hmm. they they took the source code and made their own version. So this this model is totally. Understandable, And I think this is one of the better ways to do a commercial model for open, open source, because if you want them to do the work for you and you want to make money from their work, then a license fee makes sense.
0: Yep. What, what I like about articles like this as well is I know we concentrate on the desktop, but this really brings um, back to home that there are multi-million dollar corporations out there working on Linux because Linux is everywhere.
2: There you exactly. go. Exactly. exactly. Love it. Uh, one thing too that we forgot to mention why this is important, <clears throat> even though we do focus heavily on the desktop on this channel, uh, everyone has the opportunity when a platform like this comes out to go and learn server automation, implementation and things like that because it's free and open source. So it closes the digital divide out there that would keep someone from maybe who doesn't have a ton of money from taking a you know $2,000 class and then paying another $1,000 for a license because they want to become a server administrator out there or learn how to deploy servers uh, utilizing automation stacks. By open sourcing this now, everybody has the equal opportunity to at least go out there, download this, play with it on their own, learn how it works. And then that gives them some skills that they can get into that possibly they could leverage against work, or just new skills that they want to learn. Period. And that's one of the things when I see stuff like this that just makes me really happy to see.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It's a fantastic point actually, because the 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 part where I was talking about the binary stuff that is available for people who are just wanting to learn the infrastructure and how it works. So if you're if that's the type of person you are and you want to learn that that the making that digital divide smaller and smaller is one of the best things about open source. So it's always fantastic to see when that happens. Yep.
0: So we've got some more good news coming out. Dead beef has a new release. Uh, now it never ceases to amaze me how Linux uh, people name their products. At um, least
1: it's not I, yet another dead beef.
0: That's, <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, but dead beef is something that I learned when I came to Linux. Um, was, uh, uh, I don't know which one came first, but it was a, a tool that I used to use, a, a player that I used to use a lot on Windows. So when I found out that they had the Linux equivalent under De- Deadbeef, and then when I tried it out, found out it was actually better than the Windows version, then, then that was great. But it's been three years since there has been an update to this tool. So it's been a welcome sight for the fans. Um, so for those who aren't aware, Deadbeef is a modular audio player that lets you play a variety of audio formats, convert between them, and has support for plugins. Um, Some of the highlights of this release include Opus support, replay gain scanner, improved MP4 tag reading and writing, load embedded album art from MP4 files, and file copy and file move converter applets. For me, one of the things I like most about this is you can just download the app, Load it up, use it, run it, it plays, it works, it's great, it's really lightweight. If you want to, you can really overcomplicate it, put loads of different bits and pieces and plugins, and make it as you know feature rich as something like um, what's that one um, what's that Clementine? You know you can start off with just a simple player. Or make it as complicated as you want so this is one of the things that gets installed on any linux system that i download because it's so simple
2: nice and you know i love the idea that they named it something a little bit silly because it's easier to remember dead beef than that stupid named audio player that's actually great that michael uses that It's he not had to stupid. To it's great. Like okay, seventeen times before I was understanding what the actual uh, uh, what it was. It's actually. fair because it's like Is it it's just YMMZK five two one three zero R two D two.
1: Close. It also has C three P O in there, but you know, so <laughs> close. Um But this, it's a great media player. I, I like Dead Beef. I used to use it all the time, um, and I think it's a it's great that they're you know bringing it back. Uh, but I prefer cute applications. Uh, naturally. And QMMP is the name of the player Mm -hmm. that he's referring to. And to be fair, it makes sense why it's named that because it's the cute multimedia player. But also, that's not a very descriptive name as far as like remembering it. Yeah, just I mean, you could call it you could just call it like spell the word cute out instead of just doing the letters and be cute music player cute music or something. I don't know, whatever. It could be that it could be anything. And I agree that QMMP, sometimes I'll even say it wrong. Like, and I've been using Chris, it for a couple of weeks. we
2: doing the same thing. You were telling me the name, and, I, and then you had to go take a call or something. And I said, What did he say it was? And Chris was like, QNNP. And I was like, QNNP. So I'm doing searches and stuff. And he's like, <laughs> QPMM. And then we're like, We're trying all these variations. And it's just stupid. So I is- love dead beef because you know what? I'll never forget that. It's dead but, beef. That's
0: my It's a great M-M-P name. I'll give you that. Yet- yeah, QMMP is easier to remember than that that other Guadalupe thing or whatever it's Guaya <laughs>
1: There
0: you go. Like Guaya
1: Dick. Or... It's, it's the name of a music player that's named after a mountain that's in South America. Nice. I live Thank
0: in you. London. What do I know about South America?
1: I have yeah. no idea. The only reason I know it exists is because I, they made the music player called that, and I was like, how do you say this? I just Cause... When
2: you did that, Michael, I pictured in my head, the more you know rainbow coming down and... <laughs>
1: I I was so curious about how to say how to say the name of the application. I was like, so how do I find it? They didn't give me any information, so I was like, okay, I just go on this this tangent for a while until I finally figured it out. It's like, oh, it's a mountain name. Okay, cool. Anyway, Dead Beef is a really really cool application for music players. If you're checking out, want to check out one,
2: especially it has a very unique and interesting name too. Yep. So KDE Applications 19.04 got released. I imagine every time something like this happens, Michael buys himself a cake, maybe invites uh, some virtual friends over online. because K-A-K-E. Have- K-A-K-E. <laughs> and has a party at his house uh, because you love KDE. There's no doubt about there. But this has some amazing things for you to celebrate, for all of us to celebrate, actually out there so there are updates to pretty much everything to a degree basically everything amongst the applications you've got the kde file manager dolphin can now preview more file types this is something that annoys me beyond belief when you have files in there and the you know different types of pictures or whatever it might be and it doesn't show an actual preview of it or uh, an icon that makes any sense. So I love that they're adding more support for this. This includes Blender, MS Office, and EPUB files there. They have better support for SMB Samba protocol for Windows shares, which is awesome. You have Oculars KDE Doc Viewer now allows users to verify if PDFs have been digitally signed. Along with, and I was watching the video on this and it was awesome, improved touchscreen and presentation mode which is really useful because most of your laptops are now starting to come with touchscreen uh, in there as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to touch the Caden Live update, Michael, because I feel like the only person on this podcast that deserves to talk about the awesomeness (laughs) that they have put into Caden Live is you. So take it away, sir.
1: Okay. So Caden Live, as some people might be aware that I'm a fanboy of, I... Love this application. It's a great video editor. And this newest version is a complete refactoring of the timeline. They've basically rewritten about 60% of the application. And the timeline works in a lot of cool new ways. So first of all, they now split the audio and video tracks automatically. So when you drop a a a clip onto the timeline, it will uh, it like it has three audio and three video tracks by default, and whatever one you put it on, it will make the audio to like the corresponding thing. And the video and the audio clips are connected to each other when you move stuff around. And they also. Uh, Did some cool stuff with the keyboard navigation. It allows you to move around clips and around the timeline a lot faster and a lot more seamless because they've added a a bunch of new techniques to do it. I don't know all of them right now because I haven't had a chance to try every single thing, but I'm looking forward to learning all those because I currently have a ridiculous amount of usage for the keyboard navigation and a couple I had to create my own with the macro keyboard thing. And uh, so I'm super excited about that. And they made a new voiceover feature for the in-track audio recording. So you can record the audio while you're watching the the playback for the screen capture or things like that. Very nice. Uh, They've also made some new improvements. There was this one thing that kind of bothered me for a little while, where if you have a project in Caden live and you wanted to copy an effect from one project to another, you can't really do that. But now with the new version of 1904, you can, which is great. Because a lot of the times I want I have something that's already in a previous project that I want to reuse, and there was uh, there was techniques already to do that, but this way is a lot cleaner, a lot more user friendly, and more intuitive because it's just copy the paste copy the effect, paste it on the other project, done.
0: Nice. Awesome.
1: They also made some new impor- impor- uh, improvements to the external like uh, magic displays, and they improved the way they handle the keyframes of the system. So uh, like it's but more. It's better also like the frame rate stuff has been uh, set up, improved so like it, it detects m- better when you install a new clip. Let's say you have your project for um, a particular frame rate or uh, f- frames per second, and you install, you, you put in a new clip that's not to what that project is set. It will automatically detect that and go, would you like to change it to this one that's based on this clip, making it a lot easier and seamless to, you know, get to the editing part. I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Katie, Katie in Live and uh, well, Katie in <laughs> general, too. But uh, I am so excited about this. And another cool thing is the, the Caden Live people are great developers, and also the community is really nice. I love the fact that they're so attentive to the users as well. Because I sent like this was like probably four or five days ago, like just right before the release. Uh, where you know they're they're already in the time point where they're getting ready to do feature freeze, and they're in it, you know it's really close. And I was like, hey, you would know be really cool is if you had this feature. And it was like having color-coded guides and stuff. And they were like, hey, that's a really good idea. We actually already wrote, built that in, but we haven't activated it yet. So we'll go ahead and finish that and put it in the next release. And now it's there in the 1904 version. Awesome. Anyway.
2: But you, what's with them announcing it's out, but it not being out?
1: All right, okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about that. Okay. Um, so here's the thing about this. This is kind of on the fault of KDE, not necessarily on the fault of Kaden Live. I
2: can't believe somebody captured this moment in history because Michael has never (laughs) laid fault ever on KDE. That's
1: not true. KDE does single click by default. That's bad. Uh, So they've done some weird things before in the past, but this one is a very interesting, weird decision, and that is KDE decided to release all the new KDE applications on the exact same day that Ubuntu released 1904. Why would you do that? Like the Kdenlive people thought, you know, it's not a good idea to release our stuff and, and release notes and everything on the same day. We're just going to wait a couple of days and release the next release a lot of stuff then. But the KDE people thought, well, we're going to go ahead and say the Kdenlive stuff is ready, even though it's not. I mean, technically it is. You can use it with the, the app images but it's not available on their downloads page because they don't think that they should do that because they're right, you shouldn't do that. That's a weird decision, but Katie E thought we should. Do
2: you see Eric, all this double that, talk here, that. Zeb? He's just going around and around. It's like a lawyer trying. No, I'm not. To, I'm it, totally it, admitting that the, who, you know, it was a terrible... In front of the judge terrible. off the hook.
1: No, it's a, <laughs> it's a bad decision. Okay, <laughs> no, okay every, if if the, you, the, show, yeah. the yeah. Week, week before... There was not a lot of news that was released because people were getting ready for the Ubuntu stuff and they didn't want to like compete with that. Mm-hmm. And also the same thing happens with the same week of Ubuntu. There's not a ton of news because you don't want to compete with Ubuntu because you're not going to beat Ubuntu's popularity market share. So when they release something new, they're going to dominate the news cycle. But apparently, KDE doesn't agree with that and decided to do it anyway, which created I mean, this weird. We're confusion. covering
2: both stories, so I, I think that it's getting yeah. But that's because
1: in. we're dedicated to the community and we're passionate about the the, the ecosystem. Oh, nice. So, you know
2: what? Joe in our chat says you should be a politician, and I'm starting to agree with him. I could almost see you spinning anything, man. I think you've missed your calling, Senator Michael Tenell. I
1: love KDE. <laughs> but at the same time, this was a bad decision. So um, there we go. Fix that. So next time don't release on the same day. Uh, I could understand maybe not getting the same week, but the exact same day within like an hour. Come on.
2: <laughs> Think about it. Well, there are tons of the, you know, there's nothing that anybody could say arguing how talented the team is that works on KDE applications, even if their timing isn't perfect. I agree. And, all of the work that they've done here is incredible. The work with even Gwenview, which we didn't even touch on, or the console, or Kmail. There's so much. You're right. Let's talk about Gwenview. Gwenview is great. Stop it, Michael. Okay, sorry. All this stuff is fantastic. You can go read about it in the release notes, but honestly, there is too much to even cover. with Too much. I, challenge accepted. <laughs> At the what? end of the show, we'll just let Michael go wild and talk <laughs> about
0: it. I'm just confused here. Why isn't it Gwenview cuz I,
2: yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they named it
1: Gwynview. That uh, it's well, I don't know. I, I have no idea why it's named that. But it's a great application. Well, so you should if use we it. We
2: want to move on. Don't don't poke the bear. Stop.
1: <laughs> Speaking of poking bears, Red Hat has decided to poke 950 IT leaders to find out what they think about open source, and it's uh, str- the ways that it does a strategic uh, approach and importance to how they do their work in their in, in their field. So, they they published an article and surveyed these people about the importance of open source. They talked to the, the the 950 IT leaders whether they thought like the the first question they asked was what what do they think about the like the open source how it was a, re- a strategic importance to them, and the strategic importance part the strategic part actually the part is the most important part, and it's the it's talk about the in, the way they do their enterprise infrastructure and all that kind of thing. So like how much do they put into Uh, open source as far as like a fundamental piece of their ecosystem. And 69% said that it was very or extremely important.
0: 20%
1: said it was important.
2: And the rest were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. And you're absolutely right. There were some other interesting statistics that they had there. Uh, They found 42% of IT leaders are using open source for digital transformation efforts. So what we're talking about, here is really not just modernization of an aging infrastructure, which is 53%, but when you talk about transformation, what you're looking at is really the future of your um, you know, your, your company and your network and how it's laid out and the entire infrastructure. So when they're looking at it from a future standpoint, it's not just upgrading now, aging, it's looking at the future of transforming their business as well, which I thought was quite amazing. Uh, to see. And I love that Red Hat went out there and did this work because I, you know, sometimes companies force you to utilize certain standards or platforms, uh, whether it's to save money or because there's some deal on the side with some other company that gets the CEO a bonus by suggesting that you use the software or whatnot. But so you really want to know, do people really enjoy it that are working on it each and every day? Is it something they see as a part of their business, that's important to their business, that's important to modernizing and transforming their business. And it looks like overwhelmingly the answer is yes here. As it should be. Indeed. So on to some gaming news, and this is very exciting for me. Unity 2019.1 is out. This is a very popular and powerful gaming engine out there. And this release is especially awesome for Linux game developers. So in Unity 2019.1, the Unity editor for Linux has left experimental status and moved into preview mode. This means they are now on the path to have a fully supported Linux version by the end of the year, which was their goal and they are hitting it perfectly. Nice. excellent. So why is this important? My brother, for instance, develops a game and he is moving, you guys may have seen the videos on my channel, he is moving to a Unity platform. To be able to get his game in the current platform engine that he's utilizing is extremely difficult, but having an editor within the game engine itself to not only develop games there, but to port the games uh, is incredibly helpful for game devs to get their game on Linux, which we want to see much, much more of. Also, Unity has created some of the most amazing titles out there. Zeb may not play all of them because some of them are kind of pixelated, at times but they are without a doubt triple a titles that are have won incredible amounts of awards Mm -hmm. and and some of them are not pixelated i just wanted to throw that joke in there because zeb's back and i want to i want to pick on him a little bit uh we've got hollow knight shadow gun legends the elder scroll legends oxygen not included that was the pixelated one i was thinking of a little bit and uh pokemon go I mean, that was a phenomenon for a while where people were getting hit by buses and everything else walking around with their phones. Uh, you had <laughs> Tyranny and Valley, uh, just to name a few games that were developed in Unity. So mm-hmm. this is just the best news out, I think, in a long time for gaming. Uh, we actually on-
1: were using uh, the game we were, we were running, um, Golf with Friends, and that's based on Unity as well. And that's a, if you didn't know, we talked about earlier in the podcast, if you don't remember, go check out the stream on Ryan's channel about that because we played Golf with Friends and that was fun. But uh, the Unity ed- editor is awesome because like you could already make games for Linux with the Unity, but there was yeah. a lot of people who didn't, they didn't test it very well. They just kind of yeah. checked the box and did it. And having it available to the Linux as a development platform as well makes it a lot more uh, you know, easier to do the process of like the building and testing and stuff. So you don't have to reboot mm-hmm. and test it, and like yeah, that, that so, it makes clear. it a lot better. Yeah. So that is awesome.
2: And for those interested in game design, it is a ton of fun uh, to go out there and make games. And if it's something that has uh, have been of interest to you, definitely go check this out. But it is the Linux editor specifically is targeting Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04 as well as CentOS 7 64-bit. They are targeting the GNOME desktop on X11 and it will work with proprietary NVIDIA drivers or the way you should be anyways, AMD Mesa there. So uh, you've got, that. those are the ones they're targeting. That does not mean you couldn't run it on something like Arch because obviously Arch runs everything, but that's where they're targeting their platform towards.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> and just a quick tip for any game developers out there please don't come back to me and ask to test your game unless you're going to bring it back to the quality of valley because that is a truly magnificent game even if you don't want to play the game in itself just wandering around the places that they can take you to and see the depth of the detail that they've gone into it's just so relaxing just to have a little country stroll without leaving your seat and go around this whole vista world it's amazing game i love it absolutely And just to surprise Ryan, talking of another game that I'm looking forward to to coming out, because I used to love Doom back in the day.
1: What's going on now?
0: (laughs) Sigil. Sigil? Sigil? How are you going to pronounce this? Sigil. Sigil. Just go with
1: it. No idea. So, yeah, whatever you want.
0: Yeah. So there's a a new first-person shooter that's coming out, and if you have a fondness for Doom, we have some great news for you on the horizon. There is a new Megawad Sigil. A Megawad is a Wad made up of other Wads, and a Wad is a default file format for Doom. This is true. So, the original creator or co founder of ID Software, John Romero John, who also worked on titles like Wolfenstein and Doom. So, what you're going to get out of the box is nine single player and nine deathmatch levels free megawatt schedule to be released in the first of this year, but has some delays and is now due out sometime in May. A Sigil is the spiritual successor to the fourth episode of Doom and picks up where the origi- original left off. So this is just, it goes into a lot of other bits of technical things here and they're, they're going to bring out a collector's box if you're a, yeah. if you're a fanboy type thing.
2: I almost bought it. But, <laughs> what,
0: what, what I love about this is Yes it's old school and yes it's pixelated but that's what makes it so good. Um it just brings back just so many memories of, of playing Doom. Um whether I or not I think the fall has changed Seb.
2: Use, I know or he was abducted by aliens and we have an alien version of it. I knocked my
0: head when I fell out of the caravan that's what it was. I'll be back to normal next week boys. But no this is this is just this is just great. And the stupid thing I like about this game is you can put it on what I call don't hurt me mode. <laughs> you, basically mean you can go around and you can stand two foot away from this beast and it's not going to kill you until you reckon, realize, hang on a minute, I've got to get this gun out or I've got to get this chainsaw out or I've just got to punch it. Yeah. Um, but then you can go the other way and put it on, yep, do your worst, come at me. And then you'll poke your head around the corner, and already three of them have shot these fireballs at you. Yeah, and You can pull your head back. You just had a quick haircut. So <laughs> set the level that you want, and there's just hours and hours of fun. I think it's going to be great.
2: Yeah, so this, to me, was super uh, exciting because, you know, the original Wolfenstein was – one of those games that I remember my dad who was also not a gamer at all stopped what he was doing. We had the computer shop and he was like, kids come around. We've got a game to play here. And it was the first time he sat down to play a game was Wolfenstein because he just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then you start looking at doom and other things. John is a legend. uh, And the fact that he's going to add in These missing levels finally create a, you know, add some more chapters to the Doom story is fantastic. Now, this is the original Doom, not the beautiful 2016 AAA graphic version of Doom. He's adding it to the original Doom, and this will work through Linux. It even mentions it on the website utilizing GZ Doom there. But if you want to pick up a collector's edition, which includes a signature from uh, John Romero there, you can certainly do that. And my favorite part, it also includes a 3.5-inch disc that is also a USB drive that I think will contain the game on it itself. And How awesome. Excellent. I love yeah. that.
1: The, you, what do you mean by 3.5? Are, are you talking about the 3D model of the save icon? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So our spotlight comes from our listener this week. Uh, Ellis has said, uh, I know a tool that is a, favor- a favorite of mine for archiving software for file systems. It works for most file systems that you'd care about We'd with different caveats when it comes to file systems that, that have subvolumes and things like that. Uh, but the tool is named FS Archiver, and it's been around for at least 10 years or so. And it operates by copying all the files and file attributes to its own archiving format, which is the .fsa. And it has and checksums to the files to be able to detect corruption in the archives. Uh, hmm. you, this is actually pretty cool because the way that they, they do it. So you might be kind of like, why would you want another like custom format? But the reason why is because it doesn't image the file system. What it does is it archives the files of the file system into this, uh, this file, and it makes it possible to... Uh, move the the archive to another disk and in a whole nother file system and extract it onto that file system as long as there's room for the system or for the wow. files on that system so you you don't you're, you're able to do a backup that's kind of a universal backup so that is a really awesome tip and thank you very much Ellis for doing so
2: uh no you need to read the ps um no i don't uh, Ellis writes. P.S. It can be of use for filthy dual booters like Michael since it has support for NTFS as well. I thought that was an important. That, that's part of this whole it thing. is important for people who use NTFS. I do
1: not, therefore, I didn't ha- decide it was useful for me to say that part. <laughs> Thank so. you
2: so much for sending us in uh, a software spotlight. There, we really appreciate it. Alright so on to tips and tricks. Use LVFS and FWP UPD daemon to update your computer's firmware if it's not supported. So the reason why I wanted to give this tip and trick out there is because there were there were some comments that were made it was either in the telegram group talking about trying to do firmware updates but it's hard to do in Linux etc. So I wanted to talk about this because if you go to the LVFS website You can check if your hardware manufacturer has joined into this partnership. And now there is Dell, HP, Lenovo, Intel. They're all a part of this along with many others. And LVFS stands for Linux Vendor Firmware Service. You can manually download and install the updates or search LVFS manually if you want. Additionally, Discover and GNOME software have support for it built into them. Mm -hmm. So you can install FWPUPD, start the service and run the commands to refresh and then update and it will look for any updates that need to be flashed onto your hardware and go through the process of installing it for you, which means you don't have to be a filthy dual booter and boot into Windows to do the firmware update.
1: You also don't have to go awesome. into your BIOS to do it either. And that's what's one of the biggest yeah. be- benefits to it, because like the having the firmware into the software manager and all that stuff, really cool.
2: So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening however you do it. We love our patrons and our coffee supporters. Just want to give a special shout out to all of you for giving us the incredible support you have. We do a live show for our patrons, so come join us. As Noah says, it's the worst show ever, but you can get it for just a dollar. I don't think he, uh, says, and, he
1: says the worst version of the show, so it's a great show. Oh, I
2: thought it was the worst show ever. But it just uh, and our, our patrons are asking, you guys do a live show? Yeah, this isn't the recorded version you're watching, believe it or not. <laughs>
1: Yep. So uh, that's right. We do. Uh, we have a coffee as well as Patreon. So it, it, what the benefits is whether you use coffee or Patreon, you get the same benefits, uh, the same perks, and everything. Which regardless of when you would get updates to when we're doing the show live, which we are currently doing and uh <laughs> when we do any kind of like release for new videos and things like that so be sure to do which well actually whichever one you want is fine but uh would be sure to get that so you can join us live and be a part of the show and to be a part of the post show we we also do at the end of every live recording which we do live recordings if, if we didn't clarify that and uh to be also be sure that you know be, being not to confuse patreon with coffee and patrons but they're still patrons Oh no! To- You're
2: not doing this when Noah's out. You can't do this when Noah's not I around. I can.
1: I can because he can't <laughs> defend it. So patron is okay to be used on everything because the word is not exclusive to Patreon. So I just do use zap, the term zap, patron zap, to zap, everything. <laughs> well,
0: I happen to agree with Michael because whether you pay by Kofi or you pay by Patreon,
2: twice in a week you've agreed. You
0: are with a patron of the Destination Linux Show. It's a totally separate word. So
2: oh my gosh
0: two on the top one on the bottom next okay so please get back to us and let us know what you think let us know whether or not if you're a Kofi supporter you think you're a patron so <laughs> let's get let's get exactly let's not forget you've got a guess where Noah is and no he's not lying down having a little headache or attention because we've mentioned patrons and Kofi in the same word he's doing something so you've got to tell us what he's up to So get back to us and let us know. Um, You can send your email to comments at destinationlinux.org or you can write to us in our Telegram group. You can speak to us on Discord, Twitter, Mastodon and loads of other ways that Michael has put together for you on destinationlinux.org forward slash contact. So please keep your comments and suggestions coming. We love to read them out and they do. They do give us a laugh, even if we can't get them out on the show.
1: Absolutely. And also, the fun doesn't just stop here. We also have our own channels you can check out. So if you can check out Zeb's uh, channel for YouTube.com slash Zebedee Boss, where he does uh, YouTube some streaming for Euro Truck Simulator, destroying caravans, not falling out of them. And <laughs> you can check out Ryan. His channel is YouTube.com slash DOS Geek where he covers uh, hardware tests, a, a benchmarking, all kinds of interesting things about also like gaming tests and everything. So uh, check out his, video, his content as well. You can check out mine at tuxdigital.com, where you can find the This Week in Linux podcast. You can watch it live while you're recording it a lot of times on the weekends, So look out for that. That's true. I also do record it live on the weekends most of the time, except for the past three times. But this next time is going to be live. There you just, go. Yeah, just you say up, you
0: heard it. heard it here click sir. That bell for notifications. Right. Cl- <laughs> <only over> here, <laughs> so, this one comes out after his one so yeah. I confusing or what.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Any time warp stuff is So you can also check out Noah at the com, where you can check he does his uh, podcast for or, and also radio show where he people can call in and ask him questions about business, tech, and Linux and that kind of thing. Anyway, you know what I did the other day,
2: Michael. What's that? I I forgot it was Tuesday cuz that's how my week was going. And so I had this tech question. It was something about my server or whatever. And it was literally like 10 minutes before he starts the show. And I'm on Telegram, hey, how do you fix this thing? And he just answered it. But then my alarm went off on my phone saying the Ask Noah show's starting. And I'm like, he's probably like, why is this moron not just on my show so everyone could learn from it because I forgot it was Tuesday.
1: Yeah, that that happens. I've, I've done that probably like an hour before his show started. I've sent yeah. him messages. And then I started, every once in a while, I'll, I'll uh, send him a message at the end of his show and then ask him a question or something and say, hey, I waited till the end of the show. You're welcome. <laughs> you so anyway, you, be sure also to like that smash button and share the show on social media.
0: Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey to self is the destination. Mm. Nice.
2: Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.